0: Welcome to The Big Innings Show, America's Cricket Podcast. I'm Nate Hayes. I'm here with Amit Patel. Thank you for joining us again like you do every week. We appreciate this, and we appreciate the support. And please contribute to the Patreon for Emerging Cricket to make sure that Emerging Cricket and Big Innings can give you more of what you want. Amit, what a great weekend for football, depending on who you're a fan of. But it was some exciting games this weekend. We had football. We had the USA cricket, a town hall meeting
1: and I had a hockey game. So what was your weekend like? Yeah, much of the same minus the hockey game. Uh, I gotta see your Baltimore Ravens nearly come back. I don't, I don't know Lamar's doing throwing a triple coverage, but and then after that, seeing the Lions get up quick and then not scoring in the second half and then the Niners come back. It was it felt like the week leading up to it was the way America Super Bowl would have been the Ravens versus the Lions and whatever happened from that point would have been fine. I felt like America didn't get the Super Bowl we were looking for. Also, oddly enough, this was the Super Bowl right before 2020 and the whole presidential election back then, and now it's the Super Bowl right before the presidential election now. So I think that's ironic that this happened four years later.
0: We could have had Lions versus Ravens, for God's sake. I thought after the Ravens missed all those chances to come back in the second half, which they had countless chances. The fourth quarter seemed like it never ended. They would blow a big chance and then get the ball back. It was just three and out by the KC. It was great defense by Baltimore. After that, and then you go into the San Francisco 49ers game and you have a complete yeah. flip, totally different. You have a team that's up a mile at the half and manages to lose the game. Oh, it was I, I pretty much given up on that game. The, I thought the Lions were, were going to the Super Bowl, and, man, I feel for their fans right now.
1: Midlife fans are going through it for sure. And back to the Chiefs Ravens game, everyone's going to climb about Patrick Mahomes and rant about him. The Ravens he stood really well. Mahomes you know, didn't score in the second half of that game. They just if there are two red zone turnovers by the Ravens. If you convert on one of two of those, you're in the Super Bowl. That that's the way it is. It's going to be tough to swallow. I'm sure as a Ravens fan for you, it's going to be tough. Or not a Ravens fan, but from that area, uh, that will be tough
0: for you as well. Yeah. Yeah, the Ravens came around when I was about 15 years old when they came to town. I was already cheering for the Giants and the Raiders, actually. But yeah, it's I'd cheer for them when I'm not cheering for my teams. Also, to make things even more difficult, the amount of sleep that we lost this weekend when USA U19 had two games pretty much over a three-day stretch heading, heading into all those football games. It was tough to find time to sleep.
1: Yeah, sleep did not come easy at all. There's so much world cricket going on right now. You talk about the USA, Under-19 Games, then the of House Series with India-England, and I'll show you. Cindy, so so much cricket going on, but obviously we're tuned into the USA Under-19 Series because, you know what, we get to see our guys, the people we know, support them in the red, white, and blue, and man, oh man, did it come crashing down. We talked about it on our last pod, how we said, okay, after Ireland, you know what, shake off the dust, it happens, you get killed. All right. And we you showed up to international cricket and didn't go your way. Now let's come back. Let's just have fun in the second match. Let's have. Let's just leave it, let it all hang. And it felt coming to the opposite. We said, all right, you know what? We're going to go into our show. We're just not going to, we're not going to get bowled out again. We're not going to finish the game in 31 overs. And that, it felt like that was a message. That,
0: Look, everyone's been talking about the, the incredible test matches this weekend. Jared Kimber said something like, you can wait decades for a, Test match like like they had just two of them in the same day. We missed both of them because we were too busy paying attention to USA cricket. <laughs> USA definitely played their worst game against Ireland. The very first game waited a whole week and then played Bangladesh and then played India two days later. The strategy for India after winning the toss, like you mentioned, it seemed to be bowl first in order to get the most experience, the most game experience, and then try to bat the full 50 without worrying about chasing the score. Yeah, I get it. You're already eliminated from advancing and you're playing the best team or one of the very best teams in the world. But time in the middle against good competition at this particular level should have come in the warm-up games that we didn't even have for the U19 uh, men's team. So what are you preparing yourself for by making sure you get experience in the middle against the greatest team? This is being in the Super Bowl and saying, this will be a great opportunity to prepare ourselves for big games. You're in the big game. This is a moment, I understand, for the careers of the players. You want them to get this type of experience against this type of team. You want them to have a chance to shine. We did see some good contributions. We saw a team step up finally after two two decent games with nothing fancy, nothing striking, and then his discipline in in that game against India. He took two wickets. He could have easily had a third wicket there. I think that experience that he brought to that game from minor league. He's the most experienced minor league uh, player on the you know, on the Unite team. I think that's where it really came in handy against like, a really good team like India. And then of course we saw we saw a good bat a, a couple of decent batting scores there on the other side.
1: Especially with our buddy Shravastava Odkarsh. Yeah, it there's a good 40 off of 70. And I see your point, but to me it was more of a mental or mindset thing that was my issue. Okay, you know what? You're going to go up against India, probably aren't going to win this match. But when you go out there, don't play like, okay, we're not going to win this match. I'm just going to sit here in the middle. And I felt like what good is kind of balanced out the best out of the batters in that matchup, particularly because you saw with Kushbat. Yeah, he wasn't going to, he, he figured, okay, I'm not going to go at a run up ball. I'm not going at 100, but I'm going to find right. my way to get to 70 to 80. I'm going to play my game. I'm not going to just sit here and just say, oh, if I just you know play twenty dot balls in a row, it's okay because I'm i sitting here in the middle facing this bullies. No, I'm going to test my hand. I'm going to see the shots I can play. And I think that's I think there's some balance to be had. Again, I know we played a a white ball era of go out there and smash it. And me and you always talk about strike rate probably the most important stat line on that stat sheet. And I wouldn't disagree with that. But in this type of a game, not only is the strike rate important. Okay, whatever you don't get to 100 strike rate, but it matters. Just the intent in which you go out there and back. And I think that the experience you gain, okay, yeah, you can sit there and try to defend two of 23. That's fine. That's okay. You're going to see how well that defense is, but you're going to come back to T20 cricket. This is probably the longest format of the game you're going to play for a while. Okay, right. let's go out there and see what shots I can play. What can I do? Can I play those cover drives that I play back at all? Can I go and pull the ball like I do? Can I you know, try to go downtown? When he saw Nath Garney at the end of the game, go out there and let it hang It try to hit some sixes. I said, wow, good for you. You know, this, this now you can say, hey, look, I can do this here. I can go back home and do the same thing. It's, I feel like, yes, want to spend time, want to prepare yourself for fu- the future matches and get yourself involved and ready to go and prepare for the next phase of your career. And, but I think the best way to do that is to approach it maybe like a Nath Garni did, like did, do it in such a way where you are playing... Frick, you're playing your style of cricket and seeing how that translates versus just saying, oh, I'm just going to sit here and try to just soak it up in the middle as long as I can. What would you have been happy with
0: USA putting on the scoreboard there, chasing that a pretty good total? What would you have been happy with them putting up? Because I think uh, we're not getting there. We're not going to get to that. We're not chasing that down. Yeah. I think it's tough to even put 200 up against that team in a chase. Yeah, I think when you look at what Bukharsh did, and you spread that across 50 overs, overs—that's that run rate that he had, you're looking in the 160s, which I think is something you should be saying when you're going into that second inning, look, let's try to get 160, 170 on, on this team, is I think what you should be trying to
1: do, because um, they are a very good side. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're... They put up pretty 26 we weren't getting into 326. There's just no way around that. 200 was tough. But I agree The 150 to 160 market, they probably aim closer to 150 and say, All right, let's try to get up from there. But again, I think it comes from the, just the intent that the positive intent that I thought we just were missing really throughout the tournament, right? Burn up to the body and play some really good shots in a couple of games. You're like, okay, if you can just string a couple of these together, because he's such a talented kid. This kid is unbelievable. We've seen it for so long. And you just feel like maybe he lets himself down or some of these guys let himself down just playing the way they play. But if you're going to take 20, 30-odd balls to get a single run, you're not giving yourself an opportunity to grow. You're playing within yourself. And I think these moments, again, you're knocked out. These moments are moments for you to grow. And I think, of course, the way he played was... Oh, I think he's going to come back and say, wow, that innings is going to help him long-term. Versus, yeah, he could have taken... 100 balls to score 50 runs or he could have taken whatever 150 to get to 50 but this 40 off of what 73 I think that is probably more valuable to him because you saw him being invented almost right against the off spinner come across make some make some room create the angle slash it between backwards square mid wicket and pierce gaps and things like that that is something that that will translate to the next level and I think that when you get those shots that's in those highlights and those clips that translate to the next level. The confidence is translated to the next level when you do it at this level or when you do it at the highest competition in your level. I mentioned
0: the super supermanian being the pick of the bowlers in that game. He, he was just he just looked a lot better than every everybody else. To be honest, and in, in the game, I think it was nice to see. I feel like we did see some good efforts from everybody, though. We I think yeah. at least at least with the ball, I think. Like you said, I think they went into a shell, and, and that's that's a real shame. Actually, you know what? Let's take a minute here, talk about some of the players who performed pretty good in the U19. Just mention a, a few names that that stood out to you, guys that had moments in the in this in the series in the U19s that that stood out to you so far. Of course, they still have the final game
1: upcoming, but what was your favorite thing so far in the three games? I think Arya Gard, to start things off, the left arm receiver, I talked about him before mine. I think this season, and he got a chance to be, be under Najaf Shah, that pace bowling group, and I thought it would do him some good. I thought he was really fiery. He's a very fiery guy, and I think he's got a bright future. From the left is always nice and picked up a couple wickets up um, against Ireland and picked up a wicket against India. I I like what he brings, and I think he's only going to get better. Obviously, up to the Tittapallian with the 50 a couple matches earlier, who maybe didn't have the scores he was looking for in the Regular matches and the group stage matches, but the they had a warm up match against Namibia scored 100, uh, which was cool to see. Um, again, I think there's you know plenty positives to go out for. I think Arndt Gurney for everything that maybe you wanted for more from him. That 20 off 44 where he hit two sixes, you know what? Give me that. Give me more of that. I'll take more of that. Again, there's there's pl- and Athene, obviously as you already mentioned, but and there's plenty of other guys on here that played pretty really well. More The gutter, probably 21 off 70, 27 off 71. Again, there, there's some very good performances all around, but I, mean, I think the guys who excited me the most with Gersh maybe some bias, but I thought that finally is with him. And I think Arya Garg with the ball in hand at the end, and so it's exciting to see two young Pacers from the United States come up because that's where it felt like we have the bad. You've seen the sign of Kamala's and Rajojerry Wallace come up, and you haven't seen the pace ballers break through yet. And to see those two kind of perform, it was cool for.
0: Yeah, now uh, Carney. I, I really liked the way that he utilized the bounce in the lettuce game. I felt like he, he was even better, as you mentioned. Arya Garg coming to through three games, his bowling average is like twenty six right now. That's pretty good. You'll take that yeah. when you're getting when you're getting ten overs every game to have a bowling average about that against teams of this quality. Something you should be really proud of. So it's he's a bright shining star for the future for USA cricket, no doubt. Uh, Parth Patel, I thought that he did pretty well in his in the game against Bangladesh and yeah. fairly well against Ireland as well.
1: No, I agree. Again, those guys are true. There's some real young talent on this team that I think is only going to get better. And you've already seen a lot of these guys play minor league cricket. Parth Patel played minor league cricket. Of course, just started to play some minor league cricket. Rishi Ramesh is. The reason he, he's played a couple of games, recently, reason he doesn't get more games is because he's on the most loaded roster in the USA, right? So you got guys who are going to start breaking into some rosters. I think Arya Garg going to break some rosters. I think there's a Romanian. He's an essential part of the Atlanta buyer has been for three years. These guys are making impacts, and they're only going to get better. So I'm excited.
0: Yeah, we didn't really see a, a big breakthrough day from Mauricio Ramesh in the tournament yet. Still one game to go, I, I would back him to, to do something big in that game. But yeah, we also saw that great catch from Nayaka, a couple of good catches from him. Parth Patel made a couple of good catches. So it's not been a waste at all. I think that they've shown that USA has tremendous talent. We've got good talent. These are talented kids. What I think is failing them is a good preparation. 2006, look, our team had a lot of good preparation. and From what I've talked to, from the players i talked to who are on that U19 team, team that's this is an area that concerns me a lot about going into the men's T20 World Cup. We haven't had a we haven't had a T20 international game for, for since 2022. We haven't hosted one since 2021. We've played nine in this entire cycle. We've played fewer T20I by a long shot than any team that's in the World Cup. We are not preparing our guys. How are we getting away with this? How is our board not preparing our players? This is what worries me the most. This is why I think our players did well in so far in this World Cup, in this U19 World Cup, considering the lack of preparation that they've had against good up against opponents at this level or approaching this level. Our, our T20 men's side hasn't had anything, so this is what kills me. There's an argument that we all like to have in cricket that the World Cup should be as robust as the FIFA World Cup. We should have as many teams as possible for exposure, but our own bo- board is currently providing the counter argument to this. If you're an associate member and you're not prepared why should space be made for you in a world cup this is especially true for our men's team right now as every other team prepares with games against other nations except for us do we even deserve to be in this world cup right now this is a really important question to ask do we deserve to be in this world cup what are we bringing to the table how much have we provided as far as venues even Fort Lauderdale Stadium's already existed, but it's been around for a long time. Major League Cricket uh, built the Dallas Stadium when they did that because of their agreement for USA with USA Cricket, so that USA Cricket gets some credit for that. The ICC is building this place up in New York. What are we bringing to the table? What's the benefit for the ICC for, for us to have the World Cup here if our team isn't going to cash in on it? If we're missing a massive opportunity to show on the national stage the talent that we do have in this country, we have plenty of it and we've talked a lot about selection we've really bought gotten into the weeds about selection about speculation of selection what has there been to select from what do we what criteria have we had to select from and they're putting a lot of weight into these upcoming uh, t20 nationals that's a crying shame we should have had two years now of games we could look back on where players coming in and out of the team for two years and we haven't had men's nationals in, in two years either. So this is what I mean. This is what's so frustrating about I, this. It's so frustrating that we have this opportunity. We're failing the entire associate member fraternity
1: right now. This is a huge opportunity, and I brought it up a couple of times in the episode in this 2024 World Cup. Not only are we associate member that's in the World Cup, we're an associate member that's hosting. The World Cup. So everyone's going to talk about what did the USA do. If you're an associate member that goes to World Cup and you don't perform too well, you might be able to get away with it because everyone's focused on whatever full members. But USA, we are hosting this thing. I don't know what New York's going to look like. I think it's going to look great, but it's a short turnaround for that. If of are going short turnarounds, that's our team at the moment because we haven't looked at anything. Didn't our selectors, the board hasn't looked at anything for the past two years. We have been stagnant. And Nate, the question you bring up of oh, do we deserve to be here? If someone who loves USA cricket, someone who wants to see USA cricket in this world cup, do we? I, I don't, I, I, I can't make a compelling argument. I said, yes, we were very close in the last cycle to qualify, but we don't know if the team's going to look anything like that. I don't think it will look anything like what it did when we were that close to qualify. And if it's just based on talent, yes, I think our team is going to be very good because I do think we have some really good players. But like we said, we don't know what selection is going to look like. If it's just on these men's nationals, then I have no idea what the selection is going to look like. And then the way they're getting to these men's nationals, it's just everything feels like it's a last-minute rush. We're going to put this together and try to figure it out. We've known about this for two years probably that we've known about this. That As a board, you could say, okay, it's finalized. We're having a World Cup here. We're gonna get. We're gonna be part of this World Cup. So you have had opportunities to to figure it out, and we we haven't figured it out. So as we come to the end of January, and I like saying six months left. There's really five, and closer to four. We we are nowhere near knowing what the team's gonna look like. I is does I, tell captain the side? I don't know. There's so many questions, even because I couldn't tell you if Montegutel is gonna be the captain. Because I haven't seen in right. three years for anything. To tell me he should or shouldn't be if part of the T20 side. Goes you know, in the one day side, he's been the guy. But do they feel the same way in the T20 side? I couldn't tell you what the selection looks like. Right when we talk about other teams, we say, "Oh, is this one player going to be in? How does is this one player going to be?" In? But we're not talking about is our captain who's going to be the captain or who's going to be their one their opening banners? Who's going to? We have nothing, and that's... it's like you said, it's frustrating. It's scary and the lack of preparation. We saw it in this under nineteen World Cup. And I would hate to see it in this in this cricket the C twenty World Cup because that opening day against Canada, Canada's gonna be ready because they're playing more They're playing matches right now. They're gonna figure out their squad. Where are we in it?
0: Yeah, Canada's right now shipping off to Hong Kong to keep their team busy playing games. Yeah, it's crazy. And and when you look at the three teams we played in this U 19 World Cup. Ireland being the first team. This was the t- team that everyone said we had the best chance of beating. Oh, yeah, we got a good chance of beating Ireland. We were not prepared for Ireland. We weren't prepared for them. But that was our worst game. When you go into a tournament, your worst game is the first game, regardless of who it's against. You're not ready. You're just not ready. It was like the New York Giants this year. I can rant about that all for a whole episode, by the way. We're just not ready. And we can't. And also, let's be fair to the board. Let's be fair to the board. We're trying to operate Yes, they did they did inherit a financial situation. We our budget is so small relative to this country. Our budget is so small. There's so little room for error with this budget that we have. We're not generating more budget via sponsors. We're not generating more budget in any real way. So we got to pretty much almost all almost fully count on the money that that USA gets from MLC and the money that they get from the ICC. And that's the ICC's, what, $1.6 or so. USA is, what, just a short of $400,000 a year. So you're talking about a budget that's somewhere around $2 million. That's going to go really fast in this country when you have four national teams to worry about and you have all these national championships. This budget's going to go really fast. So this brings me to the point where you, we're a top 20 team in the world as far as we're ODI status. And we're having to operate on a on a... $2 million a year budget, this is very difficult. And India getting 35.5% of ICC revenues. When you look at purchase parity here, that's it's a massive percentage. It's a huge percentage of the pie that they're getting.
1: It's $230 and million dollars a year compared it, to $2 million.
0: And that $230 million is going to go a whole lot further there than it would here. Imagine $230 million here, or however it is, however much it is, Imagine that much money here. How what we could do with that? It would be ridiculous. India should be running circles around everyone in the world with that amount of money. But at least show us where the money's going, India. Show us what you're doing with it. Why do you still not have bathrooms in your stadiums? For God's sakes, you've got all the money in the world. But this just goes to show how bad this model is. How bad this distribution model is. It's not intended to grow the game. It's just not. You can't. You cannot argue that it's intended to grow this game. It's intended to funnel money into one national governing body. This brings us around to this wonderful West Indies test match that we just, uh, we didn't see it, but we saw the results of it. We saw the highlights of it. And when you have Shamar, who is a security
1: guard heading into this, right? Yeah, he was a security guard before he was an apple SCP.
0: And so now Shamar Joseph goes out and destroys uh, Australia they win by eight runs when do you ever see a game this close in test cricket you seldom ever do and he's the hero taking all those wickets but he was just a security guard a short time ago right and this goes to show and he said I think we made a mistake he said recently I'm always going to make space for test cricket no matter how much any other the league pays come on have a little solidarity to your fellow cricketers here if the cricket West Indies was doing their job, if they were a good cricket board, the best bowler in the country would not have been working as a security guard heading into this. You know, you cannot tell me this guy was that far under the radar, and then he came into the team and did this good. You have to be on the radar to be in the team, right? And your national government can't take care of you, can't take care of of your bills? That's a big problem, and that comes back to this distribution model of the revenue west indies deserves a bigger slice of the pie if they're going to get things done especially because when we get back to purchase parity you're you're talking purchase parity power you're talking about a a, a governing body it's so expensive to do cricket in the west indies it's so expensive and compare that to india where it's not nearly as expensive so i want to shout out to the uh, caribbean cricket podcast who i am a patreon uh Of, they say here, I don't want to hear any more world cricket needs a strong West Indies. You want us to build from this, create a financial model that allows us to keep players like Shamar Joseph playing test cricket. We lose money playing test cricket. This needs a coordinated ICC approach. We couldn't agree more with you. We love test cricket. We want to see these players paid well. We want to see them in the team. We don't want to see Shamar Joseph left out because he gets better money being a security guard.
1: First off, Shamar Joseph, what a story! The West Indies, what a story, right? Unbelievable, and it feels like Test Cricket comes up with a lot of these stories, and these stories seem to be elevated by Test Cricket, and all the eyes are on it. But you're right. I had I had this conversation the other day. Test Cricket is on the downward spiral, and if and it's been on that way for a long time, and it seems like in five years, how you have you're going to have three countries playing Test Cricket. India, England, and Australia—is that what we're going to look at in five to ten years? That we have three countries because those are the three countries that can afford to keep playing Test cricket. We've talked about the model and how broken it is, right? You can't say that oh well, it, this is the best thing for cricket if one country gets two hundred thirty million and the twentieth country gets two million and everything in between. From thirty-six percent, the next drop is ten percent, right? For number two, it go, for two and three is ten percent. For number one is thirty-six percent. That's a crazy margin of drop off, and yeah, people were when the West Indies didn't qualify for the World Cup. Oh man, look at how the West Indies! This can't. This isn't right. What? There's money that has to be spread around. The, the ICC needs that coordinated effort, as the Caribbean Cricket Podcast was talking about. There's no way around. I I, I can't say it any better than they said it, and it comes and it, when they said it, it felt like it was coming from that enraged fan who knows what the problem is who's seen the problem, who's seen a solution, who knows other people know the solution, but yet somehow the solution hasn't made its way to the top. It seemed like it came out of a place of frustration. In a moment where they should have been enjoying Shamar Joseph, a 24-year-old who's debuting in Australia, who goes to the Gabbo. It's a fortress in Australia. Only breached one time. They do it. In an unbelievable win, eight-run win, when people basically counted them out after that second batting innings, they should have been crying like, brian laura was and every west indian cricketer that was there enjoying that moment but well, the gruby cricket podcast was saying yeah this moment's great and we could do this so much more often but these are the issues we still have and yeah we can gloss over it with wow the west Indies just are back and they did this this is this is foundation over a blemish on your face this is makeup it's gonna wash up at some point and the scars are still there and that's the problem that no one's addressing this from the root level. It's all just, oh, let's just pretty it you up. Know, let's just say, oh, everything's okay because they won a test match. They're back. The West Indies are back. Shamar Joveson is great, but the West Indies are not back. Help them fiscally, and then they'll be back because they have great players. You just need the board to be able to take care of them. It's silly to, to celebrate
0: it and say, what a great guy. Look at what he's overcome. When One of the things he's overcome is a systemic problem with cricket itself. So for the, the writers out there, for, for the the talking heads in cricket that we all watch and, and, and enjoy, we want to celebrate this achievement by this wonderful young player. But you can't do that without looking at why he overcame. Not just that he overcame. Why did he overcome? Because his board couldn't take care of him and, he, you know, in the meantime, he made better money out there working security. And I think... The BCCI needs to understand that dividing up the money evenly amongst full members should be the compromise. Because if you divide it up based on purchase power parity, and the way I would do it is say, okay, who needs the money the most? Let's do it in a progressive way. Who needs the money the most? Where is it the most expensive to play? In that case, India's uh, slice of the pie would be real tiny because the money is going to go further there, and they're further along. So they need to look at this from an angle where it's okay. Even if it was split up evenly amongst the full members, at least that part of the pie split up amongst full members evenly, India should still look at that as a win, but they don't. They want the BCCI wants thirty eight and a half percent. That is absolutely absurd. And for us, to, for, for all of the talking heads out there to go through thinking about how we need to fix this or that they're all jumping over this huge mountain in order to get to another solution. That's not even a real solution. They're jumping over the problem and ignoring the problem to find a solution that ignores the problem. Let's first talk about the fact that the boards need more money to sustain this wonderful thing. If we're not talking about that, we're not talking about the problem and all we're doing is fiddling around with half-assed solutions.
1: Yeah, it's almost like you're on a sinking ship and you're saying, okay, what can we do to balance out the ship? How can we make sure that it's a, instead of tilting back, it tilts forward and it gets back. Oh no, that's not the issue. You can move a couple of chairs to try to and move furniture up to the front of the boat. Stop the water from leaking inside. That's the way you stop this boat from sinking. And so right. I think there's a glaring issue that it almost feels okay. This is just the way it is. This is the status quo. We got to accept that. How do we move beyond that? And that is a that's a sad thing to see and because again, for us, if and for a lot of people, it's cricket. Growing is the goal, right? And that claims to be the, the goal of the ICC, even though a lot of stuff they say and don't always align with that. They do a lot of things that do, but the fiscally maybe doesn't. When we look at cricket, we want it to grow and spread to all corners of the globe, including here in the US. How do you do that? You have to give these places money. And again, like you mentioned, with the West Indies is not like a, an up and coming country, up and coming territory that's trying to figure out cricket. They won the first two World Cups. This is a powerhouse in the world of cricket. And they're not they don't have money. Cricket South Africa, they are a powerhouse in the world of cricket, and they are short on money. You're talking about New Zealand is even not even super well off in terms of money. They're these are the powerhouses, the full members that are struggling with the financials. It's okay, screw it. Most people don't care about associate cricket, whatever. We have our pool and we're gonna serve from our we're gonna sort from our pool. Like you said, at least make the full members equal in terms of what they're getting. Because those are your powerhouses, those are your quote unquote made cricketing playing nations. Make sure they're good at least at the very minimum. You think that's where the focus is.
0: Yeah, and I get it. I hate the argument that, oh yeah, India's providing all the fans. They're the reason why there's money out there because ninety-seven percent of all the fans are coming from the South Asia, and most of them are Indians, and that's where all the money is, that's where all the eyes are coming from don't you want your fans to be able to see the best cricket don't you want those fans don't want to see a Shamar Joseph who can support his family better missing out on some of the biggest things cricketers in the world just because they can make more money doing something else playing in a franchise league or something and retiring from cricket from international cricket at the age of 30 when they've got four more good years left but they want to put those four more good years into making as much money as they can while they can't those fans in India want to see the best cricketers in the world. So that's why you have to do... That's another reason why you have to distribute this money in a way that can sustain the t- the best cricket in the world. You can't take them for granted. You're, you're crapping on your own fan base when you're saying, oh, yeah, they they, they belong to us. They're going to watch anyways. No, you can't do that. You can't take people for granted. I don't think that's right. And so that brings us to our next topic in which... We've talked a lot of already. I know you're happy that we won't have a ton of time to talk
1: about the constitutional amendments.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: there's so much minutiae to this stuff. And if you sat through, if you had to watch back the hour of the recording, there was a lot of stuff to talk about. But I think there's a couple of big things, right, that stuck out right away. I think first off, and you have them so elegantly listed out, I'll let you go through it, but the The biggest thing, the biggest takeaway, was the U.S. The USA Cricket is trying to join and trying to get alongside with the guidelines of the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee, and so that's a that's a cool thing with 2028 kind of on the horizon. Feels like that's a, the motive there. So there's a couple of things that they have to rectify the Constitution, and I'll let you go through and talk about what they need to do.
0: Yeah, so that that was the imp- impetus for this these constitutional amendments trying to become compliant with the USOPC and the USA had a session with them to help understand what needs to change for compliance. Members, you and me, other members of the USA Cricket membership have to ratify these via a vote. And the way that I see this, as far as looking at whether or not you should vote for things, fellow voters who are listening to this, the way I see this is that the members, us. We currently have the power to determine if these amendments are worthwhile, if they accomplish the things that they're trying to accomplish, they serve the interests of cricket, you know, all of those things. I think it's important for us to look at these and say, okay, these are reasonable changes that, that help you reach your goals. Be reasonable when you vote on these. Some of these things, USA is changing specifically because the USOC makes them, but you can't get around that. Be reasonable about that, about that but it is our responsibility as as voters to determine if something is a good idea or not at at this particular point. Certainly the goal of becoming compliant with the USOPC is worthwhile. So anyhow, let's start with the way this all went down. The review process began on September 8th, after which legal counsel updated the draft of the constitution, which you can now view on the USA Cricket website. Additions are highlighted in red or blue on that constitution. Some of the additions are made because the USOPC PC requires them and some of them are made just because. So you can see that they're just, they're separated by color code on the the new constitution. The timeline for this extensive process of joining the USOPC is as follows. They want to join by as soon as possible, which is 2026. And if they're going to do that, they they will go through several steps, which begin in the fourth quarter of this after this, uh, after this constitution is ratified. There are a couple of hearings they have to go through. There are reviews and audits they have to go through in 2025. There's a remediation and actions that will need to take place in the third and fourth quarter of 2025. USOPC Board of Directors reviews and approves new sports at the end of 2025. So at the beginning, the first quarter of 2026, if everything goes as planned, if USA Cricket gets up to snuff on the USOPC requirements, they will be an official member of the USOPC. That's 2026, so that's two years before the Olympics in 2028, two years from now. And this is the question that that everybody's asking: Will USA be in the Olympics in cricket in 2028, or will it just be the the top six teams, or or whatever they're going to do? Is USA going to have a spot in those Olympics? I think this is a question we're going to continue to ask for the next two years because we won't even have status with the USOPC until 2026, and that's if everything goes well. That's the that's quarter one in 2026, so two years from now we will know if USA is a, even a member of the Olympic, the USA Olympic and Paralympic Committee. The first thing they talked about, which was defining a timeline, which I just told you about, what their timeline is. They want to be in a member by 2026, 20, they are, they're developing an athletes advisory council. And this council is required by the USOPC. The athletes advisory council has to be hundred percent composed of athletes, six to 12 members, at least 80% need to be 10 year NGB athletes. That's what they're building. The athletes advisory council right there because of this mandate. They must post the last three years of four meetings on their website, and they must post publish a list of the members annually. This is something they're working towards doing. Article 6 is regard, regarding members, they have clarified some member classes, some distinctions and definitions of membership types. They've changed the league requirement from, from four clubs to eight, which is just leagues that, that will be eligible to vote. Of those eight, some of those can be female teams. So if you have a small league, it's a men's league of five teams and a women's team league of, of three, you can you can be a voting member. For-profit organizations are added to the member class now, which is now delegated as the associate organization. They've quote-unquote strengthened the eligibility criteria to determine league, legitimate leagues. They've clarified that clubs, clubs must have 12 or more registered individuals to USA Cricket membership ages 18 or, and higher. They've removed the ability to of USA to accept, reject, or withdraw membership at their own discretion. That's probably a good change. All members must comply with anti-doping rules. So I'll have to look into those. I'm going to see how safe you are as a member with, your, with the <laughs> doping right there.
1: <laughs> yeah, and if I'm, I'm the biggest issue with doping, we've done a good job.
0: I've never you that. But all, if they're looking at you for doping, then a whole lot of people are in trouble, I think. <laughs> But yeah, this next part here is interesting. Articles 6.7 and 6.9. This is not required by the USOPC uh, requirements. This is the expansion from six zones to eight zones, which will be organized in two conferences of four. Now, this is, we've talked about this on, and we've talked about this on several of our episodes. We talked about this all the way back with Peter Della Petta. But the new zones are broken into a West Conference and an East Conference. The West Conference has the Midwest, which is basically the unchanged central zone of currently, which would be also called, in some cases, it's also been called the Midwest Zone. And that is basically Chicago, Michigan, Ohio, Missouri. It's a bigger chunk than that, but those are the big com- cricket communities in that Midwest zone, which is pretty much unchanged. The South Central is Nebraska to Texas, pretty much north to south. It's really unchanged. It's the old Central West zone. The Northwest is now Seattle, Oregon, all the way over to Montana and Wyoming. It's really just Seattle as far as cricket hubs go. There's really not a lot of cricket played. I'm not sure. I'm sure Oregon's got plenty of cricket. But Seattle's the big hub in this Northwest area. I don't know if it's to me. I don't know if you can justify an entire hub, an entire zone in in just that Northwest unless you include part of California. Now the Southwest zone is is California, Nevada, Arizona, and Utah, the entirety of California. That's how it was in the past. Actually, uh, that particular zone hasn't really changed, except for the Northwest was cut off of that zone. The Seattle and Oregon were cut off of that zone. So the East is the South Atlantic, which is West Virginia, Maryland, and DC. The North Atlantic is Pennsylvania, Delaware, and New Jersey. Now those used to be part of the Atlantic division, And then you have the Northeast, which is New York to Maine. The Southeast is the same as before. Everything South of Virginia, all the way to Arkansas and Louisiana and and East of there. And they've also added a force majeure clause, which is basically if there's some big, huge disaster or something, that's going to change voting. Basically, if, if, if there's another... Pandemic that they have the ability to to move voting voting dates around and things like that. That's their force majeure clause. They said that this will be a helpful change. They didn't say how. They didn't say why they changed these zones up. The it seems random to me. Of course, I haven't gone through the membership list. Maybe they did this based on membership. They didn't say what they did this based on. Now we do have an up and coming another town hall on Thursday. So I encourage people to ask this question. What is the reason for the new zonal alignments? Why? What justifies that? I'm going to certainly ask that question myself. I'd like to know what the justification is for these new zones, and what do foreign players do? What do players who who qualify for USA but don't live in the USA, what zones do they play in? What are your thoughts on these zones? And we've talked about it a lot. Is it worth talking about some more?
1: Yeah, I think it's just the same thing for me was Unless the hubs have changed dramatically, I don't know why you make the change. Just because I think oh with a lot of things you say, cricket, I've said this before, we don't have a lot of continuity. There's a lot of things that move around and change. But the one thing that felt pretty pretty much straightforward for the past three, four years was South Zone. What falls under that? The East Zone, the Mid Atlantic, the Central, the Southwest Reds and the West. That felt pretty standard across the the men, the women, the girls, and the boys, they felt pretty standard across there. So you understand, okay, who's going to fall into what group? So again, I think your question is going to be probably one of the better questions of the day of, okay, what is the reason for the change? Because unless there's a huge realignment and cricketing hubs, I don't know that these needed to be changed. I did
0: notice something that was pretty disturbing to me uh, when I looked at the voting, the membership uh there are five people listed as voters from Triangle Cricket League right now. We're talking about the league that last time around had the most members. Triangle, Triangle Cricket League had the most members that were members of USA Cricket during the last cycle, and now they are only five people, five members, voting members. And this is not—I want to point out here—I am not suggesting anything nefarious is going on. I'm not suggesting that that this that the membership list is incorrect, even. You'll remember this because you play in Triangle Cricket League that there was a big stink made <laughs> locally in our local league about how our league decided to mandatorily make everybody a member of USA Cricket, and it was a $10 fee per person. As somebody who, pl- myself, as somebody who plays a lot of adult hockey, ice hockey, I've been in many leagues in the past that, that require you to be a member of USA Ice Hockey, and it's $46 for an adult every year. I've never even heard um, anybody make a stink about it. It's just a requirement in our league. However, became a huge political wedge and everybody, all the board of directors got together and voted it down, voted to not be members of USA cricket or voted to not make membership mandatory. Since they removed that, that mandate in the league, only five people went to the trouble to, to register as USA cricket members. So, there's a lot of compl- thoughts right there. I don't like it. I think that our I think that we're missing out on making a difference. It, obviously, this is how politics works. You try to build a big block, and then if TCL is still the top league in the country, and we have a member of our league who wants to run for a board director position, who's very popular with the league, who we know does good work, the current president, for example. I think would probably i would vote for him we've missed out on the ability to have any political power here with that but yes that just goes to show how quickly the membership numbers at usa cricket can change they can change so quickly maybe usa needs to work some value into these memberships that make people want to join them but i think i'm not opposed to mandates in leagues to to get members signed up as to get their league members signed up as usa cricket members
1: yeah, I think it's maybe less about okay, you're now a member of USA Cricket, but also like almost census data, if that makes sense, right? It's almost okay. We now know where should we be throwing attention, because we don't know, right? Unless you're a member of USA Cricket, where the where the hubs of you of USA Cricket are for the youth things. It comes from red It comes from registration. That's how we re- yeah. recognize where the hubs are. I don't hate the idea of saying okay, if you want to be a USA Cricket recognized league. You need to make it mandatory that everyone in your league is going to be part of USA Cricket just so we can do a census data thing. So we know that, hey, we're going to give, if you're North Carolina and you're Chicago Cricket League, the biggest league in the country, we can throw a little bit more resources at you guys because we know you guys need more resources.
0: Yeah, if you do want your league to be voting for the league director position, you have to have a league that's a member of USA Cricket. In order to do that, you have to have eight teams that have at least 12 members. So Triangle Cricket League cannot vote now. Not a single club in Triangle Cricket League can vote now. Yeah. There's only five members of Triangle Cricket League that are registered with with USA Cricket as members. So we've lost that. We've lost the ability to have any say. But like you said, it's really a census is what it is. That's what I was getting to about the zones is yeah. did they determine this zones these zones based on membership? Did they get all their membership in that northeast area from D.C. up? Did they from Virginia up? Is that where all the members are? Because if you're breaking it into zones based on that, that makes sense to me. If that's the information you have and you're saying, all right, this is where all of our, this is where all of our members are, then that makes sense to me. I want to see if that's, I want to know if that's why they did that. Let's move on to Article 7, Board of Directors. Brian Walters presented this, our buddy Brian Walters, who he's a friend of ours, he's a friend of cricket in the United States. He's on this committee, the Constitution Committee. So he mentioned some big changes. The board itself, the composition of the board itself is changing. There's going to be four athlete reps, three independent directors, one league director, one club director, and three individual directors. Now, my personal opinion about how to get a board to work in the USA is to just have 12 independent directors. We can't do that because this is required by the USOC that we have this kind of a configuration. It needs to be at least 33% athletes on our board right now, which is interesting. So this the, the, they also changed, they put some power to determine conflicts of interest into the Ethics and Grievance Committee's hands, taking it out of the NGC's hands, which I think is a really good move. So this helps the NGC just to worry about nomination and governance and it gives the ngc a system of checks and balances honestly if you ask me if if they had in their hands the ability to be the if they were also the ethics and grievance committee and the people who decide who the who's going to be eligible to run for to be nominated for a position in usa how can you be the grievance committee and the nomination committee and now you can't check nobody's going to check you so i think that's a good that's a good change i, I like that change The USOPC also requires fair and consistent elections on time, tightening of conflict of interest requirements, tightening of independent director eligibility criteria. They added restrictions to support geographic representation among independent individual and player directors, require individual club and league directors to submit two letters of recommendation from USA cricket members, whatever, increase the number of candidates running for those director positions. So now they can have more candidates running. And the voter eligibility cutoff is every year at June 30th. Candidates must have been members. This I like this one. I like this one. Candidates must have been members with good standing for at least two of the last three years, which is interesting. So you can be out of good standing for one of <laughs> one of the years, but sometimes you drop membership for a year or something, whatever. But I like that there's a requirement. You can't just instantly run for how many times in the past have we had people, candidates running who weren't even members themselves. That, that should be a no brainer. The directors who serve a max term must wait two years to run again. I like that one also. They've expanded conditions for removal of directors in breach of code of ethics. That specifically was required by the USOPC. Directors cannot receive compensation for their service. Now, obviously, they could be reimbursed flights and things like that, but they cannot be paid specifically to be USA cricket directors. Directors must resign if elections are not held on time. This is a really interesting one. How are, How is this going
1: to... <laughs> we get through I mean, a year. It, I, I I read that. I read that one, and I said, man, we would... The way that our 2020 to 2020, what, two uh, board would look... And it, you just empty for two years? That, that, that's a crazy... That,
0: that's, that's the thing. They all resign. What happens next?
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's Legit- what I wanted to What happens next, because... But, I, I saw it I, was like, I I understand the premise of, okay, you don't want people to say, oh, we can't have an election now, like we'll, we'll just maintain office and overextend our stay. But the whole thing, the whole, the board basically resigning with no plan for succession is unbelievable. There's, maybe there's a staggered number or something, I don't, I, that, that's just, it's a weird, weird thing to put it there.
0: I like it, I, I but yeah, Maybe if we were a board where this
1: never happened, it would be completely out of the realm of possibility. Yes, this seems like a a no brainer. Obviously, you can't overextend your stay. The problem is we haven't had an election on time in a long time. And so this this is a scary thought because there could be a time where there are no board members because the election does not happen on time for auditing reasons or for whatever reasons. But that's why this would be very scary. I'd like to see, maybe that should be my second question. What happens then? What
0: happens next? What happens a year from now when we don't have a board? What are we going to do? But hopefully this just lights a fire on them and we don't have to worry about this anymore. Of course, maybe they'll invent new force majeures. Who knows? <laughs> the added tenure of existing members to address staggering that was lost with the previous board direction election. Basically when we had all of this, all this delay. Prior to 2023, a lot of people overstayed. We're talking about that tenure leaking in. Basically, if you were elected for a term or whatever and you, because of delayed elections, you're basically on your second term. Yeah. That's how I I read that. The player director terms are now aligned with the mandated Team USA Athletics Commission terms. Now, two four-year terms. That's for the player directors. The other directors are three-year terms and then any board member cannot serve beyond two terms basically so if you're a elected if you're an elected league or individual director you're you can't serve beyond 6 years if you're a, a player director you can't deserve, serve beyond 8 consecutive years then you have to take your 2 year break before you can run again so next we have the article 8 we're almost done folks <laughs> we got article 8 officers So they added executive security officer role, and this was once again required by USOPC. This role will record the meeting minutes, provide notices to members and manage logistics, and be a custodian of corporate records. So all of those things that USOPC needed, they required those three things, and this particular role will fulfill those, the uh, executive secretary officer role. Article 9 was committees. This kind of defined the committee structures. The term limits uh, are are two years for a a committee. The Cricket Committee will be restructured to focus on U-19s to seniors. That's good, I think. Those are the two areas we've talked about in the past. That should be our focus. Mm -hmm. The two standing committees to align with strategic focus are the Development Committee and the Women's Cricket Committee. Those are required, once again, by the U.S.P. uh, O.P.C., sorry. Require each committee to have 33.3% athlete representatives appointed by USAC Athletes Advisory Council, and added the board can remove any committee member except athlete reps, who can only be removed by the AAC, the athlete the athlete committee or council. There, removed USOPC's appointee to the NGC Titan CY criteria, reduced ethics committee to five members think it was seven or eight before, reduced the league's committee composition from 15 to 12 members. And the audit committee was reduced from eight to five members. And they added some qualifications. So voting for this is ongoing right now from today, as we're recording this through February 5th. So this is where we'll vote. That's the time period everyone has to vote on these issues, these changes to the constitution. And this Thursday night, I think 9 p.m. Eastern time, I believe, will be the next town hall. So if you have questions, submit them. I believe they said membership at org was the email address to send questions to. So please submit your questions. If you have questions about anything I just said, a lot of this stuff, these are bullet points. They're pretty vague. Watch the video if you want to or the last one. It's not that much more clear, though there are a couple of sections in it that, that are really well-defined by the speakers, I have to say, Uh, some of it is still pretty vague. So any questions you have about this summary, submit them to USA. Don't ask me. (laughs) All right, Amin, what do you think about that? What are your thoughts about these changes? Obviously, you can see a lot of these are required by the USOPC. It's tough to know all this stuff, and if it's the best way to meet those requirements, that's the question that you have to ask.
1: Yeah, I think it, that question and also the question is just why, right? The Why are we trying to do these things for, to be a part of the USOBC? It feels like the right thing to do, right? Being part of the Olympic Committee because it feels like you can get part of that committee. You can get cricket in front of more eyes. You can maybe grow a little bit more. more be more funding from a source that's not ICC. Sponsorship, right? There's more opportunity for money. So it feels like the right direction to go. And that's always a good thing to come out of something where... And you're like, okay, this feels like the right direction. I think now it's just about and what it seems to always be about. There's there seems to be always a good policy or a good idea in place, but the execution's where we get lost in translation. And I think, when we can sit here and have all these town halls and talk about all this stuff. I think the USOPC stuff is very good. I think if, the sooner we can be be a part of the USOPC, if we can get and finish take every box by 2026, the better it is for USA cricket because I think it takes some of the. Reliance out of the ICC, and you can put a little bit more. Say, hey, Olympic Committee, we're gonna be, we're doing this stuff. You have a sponsor for so. There's another outlet where you can go that has connections that can help you, especially with cricket entering the Olympics. But I think that now it's okay. How are we executing all these things? Like you said, are these the best ways to go about doing it? only time will tell. We're not experts on that, but it does feel like these are put in here last second, but with the right intention.
0: Yeah, at least some of them. Obviously, if you have questions, submit them out like we said. And I really want clarity on these zones. What's the purpose for this? Like I said, I suspect that it might have to do with memberships, in which case, kudos to everyone in Seattle who seems to, like every single cricketer in Seattle seemed to have signed up (laughs) to justify that zone. But yeah, so we'll see what happens there on Thursday. Everybody should pay attention to that. So USA Afghanistan, the 31st of January, early crazy hours. Hopefully USA can put it together, give us a win here, and then give us a win again against that winner of the Scotland versus Namibia game. These are good teams. So our team is going to have to play well to
1: do this. But I think that we have the talent to do it. 100%. Again, They go in there, just play your game. It's a learning opportunity, yes, but try to play your brand of cricket on an international level, and I think you'll find the most success. All
0: right, Amu, thanks. thanks for joining. Of course, as always, it's it's always good talking
1: about cricket in the USA with you. Always good, Nate. Always good. I know that the Ravens lost, but for those of you who are not Chiefs fans, so probably 99% of America, <laughs> I guess we'll have to root for the Niners to win the Super Bowl. But after we root for the USA under-19 team to get a couple wins here.
0: Yeah, I think I'm pulling for the Niners. I think I'm going to pull for them. I'm not a Swifty, so I'm going to pull for the Niners.
1: Oh, man. That's how you know the age difference between the two of us. You're not a Swifty. I I like the Swifts as much as the next guy. Don't know if I like it on every replay, but I don't know. I do think – I think what really tipped it over the edge for me was when I saw the video of Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes kicking Justin Tucker's, like, holding stick and throwing his helmet and footballs around. I was like, no, that's the line for me. Justin Tucker's doing nothing wrong. He does that every game, right. and you're out here crapping right. on him. That's what the line was for me. You got
0: the 10th best tight end and the 10th best quarterback ever messing with the number one kicker of all time. He's got rank on you guys. Have some respect you know, for Justin Tucker, literally the best kicker in history. But uh, they're taking bets about whether or not Travis, Travis Kelsey's Kelsey going to
1: propose. propose. Dude, That is the under on that. One.
0: Hit the under. There's no That's way. easy one. They're not going to do that in season one. You know what I mean? This
1: is, <laughs> they're not gonna do. They got. They're not gonna jump the shark that that quick. They gotta play the, They gotta milk know, this. For couple. we are gonna milk this out. Yeah, hundred percent. There's no way. There's no way it's the ring in season. There's no way. It wouldn't be blown Ring in season. <laughs> All right, man. Good talking to you. You see that.